And go. And go. And Ukraine go. wins Eurovision. Big news this week. Or Astonishing. As, Who or, would have thought? As it's called as it's called in Russia, the Gayrovision. <laughs> Is it? Yes. Global, Terrible. Global drag contest. Kind of, yeah. It's uh, you know that first happened in twenty fourteen. I, I don't know if it's a coincidence. The bearded lady. Yeah, yeah. The, the Conchita. Conchita, the bearded lady the from Austri- Israel. The Austrian fella. Wasn't he Austrian? It was an Israel one too. It was a couple, more than one. Yeah, Israel won later. There was a whole sequence of weird things, and it began it really going strange. With Eurovision Conchita. was always campy and strange. That's fine. Everyone liked it for being campy and strange right from the 70s. Right. But in 2014, it went mental. Yeah. Bearded lady. Yeah. Uh, Austrian. And then... Maybe we should explain to people. And what? then Ukraine won already at that time. And that was a sympathy yeah. vote. And it was dirty, dirty stuff because Russia was the favorite. And they had, you know, an obviously catchier, nicer tune. Right, that was and they lost out at the death for the sympathy vote. Because of the Crimea thing. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but maybe we should explain to people who don't know what the Eurovision actually is. Eurovision <laughs> Song Contest, it's called. Who doesn't know it's what it is? Americans. Okay. At yeah. all. Do not know. Do they not participate? You know, Australia no. has an entry. Yeah, for some, recently, yeah, for some weird reason. Don't know why. Anyway, it's more like the NATO. It was originally meant to be, and it goes back, what, like 60 years. It was a European amateur, supposedly, uh, singing song, music contest, song contest. Yeah. Eurovision Song Contest. That's why it's called the Eurovision Song Contest. And um, it was just, you know, people tuned into it. It was like from each country had a, went through the process of selecting their uh, candidates and they went forward, they won, and they went forward to the Eurovision Song Contest. Kind of, kind of like, a, like a sporting event. Uh, or what we call today a talent contest. A talent contest, TV a talent. Euro talent contest. So each and they country, had to be genuinely amateur. They could not be yeah, already. Yeah, although the Fudge that in recent well, years. big time. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, so it's been going for 60 years. It used to be kind of good. There used to be some good songs and different countries won. Ireland won a bunch of years in a row to the point where they didn't want to win anymore because it cost a lot of money to set the whole thing up and they were getting tired of having to spend the money to, put, to actually yeah, set. Yeah, because the winning entrant, that country hosted next hosted year. Hosted the next year. And yeah. Ireland had like seven years in a row or right, something. Right, or something like that, crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, so it was all right. And then, like you said, in recent years, it just started to reflect, become a lot more political and Cultural, well, I suppose cultural anyway, but it became a lot more political. In Ideological, that sense, yeah. Uh, where it started to reflect the whole uh, kind of fairly extreme left wing um, ideologies. It, it became manically, uh, manically obsessed with reflecting the current thing inclusion and diversity, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah which turned obviously certain sections of the population off it, right? Um, but anyway, uh, the reason we're talking about it now is because it was held yesterday, the final was yesterday. It was Longer process during the week, whatever final entrance who get into the final uh, selected yesterday, and of course everybody was expecting Ukraine to win for obvious reasons, right? Even though their song, their entry was kind of crap. And did you, you actually know, listen to any of this stuff? A few, yeah, but the Ukrainian song was particularly crap, you know, in, in the sense that it was like it's like a bunch of weird looking Ukrainian guys. One of them looked like he's t- tattooed all over his whole body, and um, in the band. Oh, that's normal these days. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they're weirdos, and they can it's, it's they're singing in Ukrainian, of course, no Russian allowed, and they um, they. So most Ukrainians won't be able to follow it, right? <laughs> and uh, and it's. Uh, Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was no good, basically. Uh, yeah, but, but they won anyway, uh, because for political reasons, you know. Um, the song was kind of like a rap song, so it was like an American, it was like 
Western values absolutely up the wazoo. So a bunch of white guys, all which isn't strange these days, all kind of rapping in Ukrainian. Uh, that was that was it. Um, Something about world peace. Not not about world. No, actually, that's the killing Ruskies. Yeah, uh, well. Uh, if you just go to the, just so you can get a view of it, go to the YouTube video where I have it, have the marker on it there, Scotty. Uh, this, so this is the very, this is after, so the, this is the one, right, the announced one. Actually, just, just to set this up, each country has a panel, each country, who's, uh, each participating country has a Eurovision panel of people who vote themselves. So a small panel votes and gives between zero and 12 points to each song and go through that whole process. Uh, so that's the panels, right? And it used to be it was just that panel that, that voted on it, right? But then in recent years, they introduced um, public voting on top of that. So the public then gets to vote. So after the panels voted, which is traditionally the end of it, like whoever the, whoever the panel gave most points to from each, each country, then that country wins. But that wasn't the case uh, this year and for the past few years. Um, so after the panels had finished their voting, Ukraine was like fifth or sixth. The UK was top. But then the the public vote was announced. Now the public vote, how do you get? I mean, ripe for mm. ripe for um, manipulation of finding pub- ballots public, at the last second. Right? Kind of yeah, public vote. It can be whatever. So the public vote gave Ukraine a massive amount of votes, and they won basically, and it's over. Anyway, so so the video is that after they've been announced that Ukraine won, and they're also very happy. Uh, you can play a little bit of it, I suppose. I think do they actually play the song? Are they, are they singing the song there? Anyway, you have it at three ten. So, oh, well, this is actually just before the. I don't know. It's at some point, it's it's when it's over and they've and they've won. And um, just a little snippet of what the guys say here from the band. I ask all of you, please help Ukraine, Mariupol, help Azovstal right now. Please, I help you. I ask everybody, help Ukraine, help Mariupol, Azovstal right now. Yay, so, I mean... <laughs> yes, yes, send weapons and fighters to Azovstal, now. So, the thing about it is that the Eurovision Song Contest, for, for its whole history, has never allowed any political statements. Politics was not, is officially, still today, not, <laughs> not permitted. Since 2014. Not permitted to be part of it, yeah. right, officially. But obviously, an, extreme, an extremely political statement made by the guy from that, from that Ukrainian band there, that one, uh, help Azovstal, obviously people know what he's talking about, it's the... The Ukrainian Azov Battalion, most, pr- pretty much mostly Azov Battalion fighters who are neo-Nazis, you know, avowed neo-Nazis have been for a long time, the kind of people who have been bombing Donbass for the past, uh, had been for the past eight years since 2014, killing civilians in, in, in Donbass. And um, and then they're actually part of the reason these people who are now in the bunkers underground, the Avastal uh, metal plant, um, ironworks, whatever, steelworks, have been there for several weeks, um, are trapped there, and there's a whole public, you know, propaganda offensive by Western media and Western governments to help the poor people in Abastal. There's something about the fact that someone down there is, is someone in, the, in that plant and under, underneath the plant is, is important, I think. It's yeah. either, either that or they're simply using it as a big propaganda ploy to try and, you know, win hearts and minds and get the public yeah. to, to outpouring, yeah, yeah. outpouring of sympathy for these people. There must be something to their theories then. Right, because... Because otherwise they would have dropped this by now because yeah. it's ignored, it's, gone, goes, it's yeah. lost. Yeah. You know, but it's goes. something, I suppose, to it's been latched on to as a, as a way to a leverage uh, or, or to use as leverage to, um, you know, put, 
put pressure on Russia or make Russia look bad in the international community or get the public behind the poor guys in Avastal. When in fact, they're actually uh, a bunch of neo-Nazis who have been, you know, killing civilians and, you know, avowed right-wing racist military types who are, who are stuck there. And they're part of the reason that, you know, part of the reason that Russia actually is in Ukraine in the first place. There's um, there's definitely something weird going on with the Azov-style thing because, yeah. like, as you guys talked about, I think it was last week or something. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, the you know, Putin, he held off and said, no, we're not going to bomb the crap out of it because there are civilians, right? And so then, okay, we're, the, you know, the humanitarian corridors, no, we won't let them go, video that comes out from inside. And then all of a sudden, I think it was like last week, uh, I can't remember which person – who announced it first, but they said, oh, we'll let all the civilians out, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, there's photos of civilians coming out, and they said, oh, women and children, but there was a photo of a man escorting a little girl. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, both Ukraine and Russia said, there are no more civilians in Azovstal. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, like, why the heck would... I mean, Putin held off, so that means that, right, Ukraine would lie and say, no, no, there are still civilians there. Mm -hmm. Don't bomb Russia, right? But they were like, yeah, yeah, there are no more civilians there. Yeah. So there's something really weird going on there. Well, the, the, I don't know if it's a secret underground lab and all that knows, stuff, but yeah. something's going on. Cause yeah. They, I mean, they got a, a, you know, a few dozens of civilians. First of all, they said there were thousands in there and stuff. There obviously, bullshit. It was you know a few dozen, and they, they got said out, like but, 181 total right. or something. But they got out under the auspices of the of the International Red Cross or the UN or whatever, right? So it's possible that you know anybody who was worth anything to them snuck out. As civilians, and uh, but that's one thing the Russians said they didn't want to happen. But anyway, we I, don't know. I saw a report just before coming here. Uh, Sputnik reports actually cites the Daily Express in the UK uh, today, saying that there are another, at least they know of another three British uh, servicemen. Just servicemen. Yeah. So they have fought in Afghanistan. They've been on tours of duty under the British Army in Afghanistan. Are currently still in Azovstal. Mm. So there was a lot more. I think it's got to, probably got to do with cer certain figures. Remember the rumors about the the missing, unknown whereabouts of that major colonel yeah, from American. the U.S. Army. So yeah. there might yeah. be some senior people, or and they don't want the Russians just getting... basically the basic setup. They don't want the bet. They don't want the Russians to have the coup information coup of showing whatever the setup was. Mm -hmm. You know. But this, this, so this links to what we're saying to the other event that happened just yesterday as well, which was, um, it's funny how you link your vision to a mass, mass shooting in America, in Buffalo. But anyway, so a young guy, 18 years old, in Buffalo yesterday went into a mall and shot 10 people. Eight of them, I think, were, were black. Uh, and it was, everybody's agreeing that it was a racially motivated uh, attack. Uh, you know, just, yeah, killed 10 people in a, in a, in a shop, in a supermarket. And, um, but he, as is often the case in these kind of white supremacist or racially motivated shootings of, by white people, they have a manifesto, right? So if you just bring up heavy.com, um, so there's, you know, he videoed the whole thing more or less. If you scroll down, um, there's, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. There's a manifesto, part of the manifesto. Um, uh, go up a little bit, actually. Go back up there. So he says, okay. 
Oh no, sorry, keep going. Sorry, hi. Keep going down. Sorry, down downwards. Uh, it reads a bit, yeah, I think it's here. Uh, the manifesto states. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's exactly how the Tarrant fella had his written a question and answer. Right, the Tarrant fella being the Christchurch shooter. Right. In twenty nineteen. And this so this guy is a kind of supposedly a copycat type thing of the um, yeah, the manifesto. I haven't read it myself, but allegedly being reported that it explicitly cites him as inspiration. Yeah, and links back to that nutter in Norway in 2011. Yeah. yeah. So he says um, it's almost like <laughs> the manifesto states. Why did you decide to carry out this attack? Imagine you're writing a manifesto and you ask yourself questions so you can answer. Them. It's like a formula, a form that you fill in. Is, this, is there a form that somebody produces for, you know, mass shooters? Please fill in this form and let us know what your, what your motivation are. Why did you decide to carry out the attack? To show the replacers that as long as the white man lives, our land will never be theirs and they will never be safe from us. To directly reduce immigration rates to European lands by intim- to immig- immigration rates to European lands by intimidating and physically removing the replacers. Is this some American guy? Worried about Buffalo, upstate New York. <laughs> worried about uh, immigration in Europe. To intimidate the replacers already living on our lands, to agitate the political enemies of my people into action, to incite violence, retaliation, and further divide between European people and the replacers currently occupying European soil. It sounds like something that, they, that, that the Americans would really love to see happen. I mean, the American government, that is. Uh, 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 I think there was a part um, where he says, yeah, just above that in, in the known paragraph. Uh, non-coded paragraph, yeah. <clears throat> it's, so they're quoting from it in the article there. It says, um, it continues, this crisis of mass immigration and sub, just one paragraph above, it continues, the, ma- the crisis of mass immigration and sub-replacement fertility, I think it's one above that, Scotty. There you go, right ah. there. Uh, the crisis of mass immigration and sub-replacement fertility is an assault on the European people that, if not combated, will ultimately result in the complete racial and cultural replacement of the European people. The manifesto, which refers to white genocide, contains a name and says, that's the, guy, the guy's name, his name is um, Grandin, his surname is Grandin. Uh, Peyton Grandin. Peyton Grandin. Uh, anyway. What a name. Uh, contains Sounds a name and says that the author is 18 years old as of writing this. So this is written by him. Supposedly, think about this being written by a single person. Old, yeah. So it, it says it talks about what Jen says is, and it says that the author. So you're writing this, and you're saying the author of this is 18 years old as of writing this. I am the sole perpetrator of the recent attempted mass shooting. <laughs> I have to let you know why, that. Why, why would why would you write? I am the just 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 FYI. I am the sole perpetrator. Yeah. In case anybody thinks that there's anybody else involved here, why that would bother me, I don't know. But I just want to make it clear: I am the sole perpetrator. I had no handlers. I had nobody helping me. Uh, I live. I lived in Southern Tier, New York, all my life. Blah blah blah. I believe I am ethnically white, since my parents' nationalities are the North European Europe, from North Europe, Northwestern Europe, and Italy. I graduated high school. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I'm not a warfighter, nor have I been enrolled in any military or tactical training, FYI. I have no mm-hmm. connections with the military or any security apparatus in America. So excuse any mistakes I make during my attack because I don't have my handlers with me. I mean, I, am n- I was never diagnosed with a mental disability or disorder. And I believe to be, and I believe to be perfectly sane. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it even uh, talks about his personality type. 
the, the, it sounds like uh, someone is trying really hard to set it up in a certain to frame well, it to, to clarify way. that you know the ideology has reality to it. You know um, that he's not mentally insane. Right, when he is clearly nuts. You know, yeah, for of sure, he's nuts. So, um, a couple of things. A couple of things about this actually. Uh, you mentioned the guy Tarrant, that so he modelled himself, and he even said that that he modelled himself in the guy, the Christchurch shooter in New Zealand, who shot up a mosque five or six years ago, um, or four or five years ago. I think it's only three years ago, twenty nineteen. Right. Well, the interesting thing is, you put up the New York Times. This is from. Um, NewYorkTimes.jpg. Uh, this is from the New York Times at the time of that shooting in Christchurch, New Zealand, which the Buffalo guy modelled his, you know, attack on his manifesto on. And New York Times mentioned that the Christchurch shooter, on his flag jacket, was a symbol commonly used by the Azov Battalion, a Ukrainian neo-Nazi paramilitary organization, the ones that are in in the Avastol, mm. Avastol, Azovstal plant. Good that, Nazis. That yeah. The, that the ban, the Ukrainian entry yeah. to the Eurovision just said that we should all try and save. And so follow went, yeah, the links yeah, yeah. here, right? Yeah. So, so that's from the guy on, on his flak jacket was a symbol. That's the guy in New Zealand, the Christchurch shooter in New Zealand, that this guy in, Buff- in Buffalo modeled his manifesto on. Now go to the JPEG Grendon, Ukraine. This is the guy who did the shooting in Buffalo yesterday. That's the same symbol that the New York Times just mentioned is used commonly used by the Azov Battalion, who are holed up in the Azov-style plant. And that Ukrainian soldier that U.S. tax dollars have just shelled or taxpayers have just shelled another $40 billion, uh, thanks to their government, too. And he's also wearing the same neo-Nazi or Nazi... It's actually a Nazi symbol, the black sun, they call it, and it's, an, it's a Nazi emblem. Sun and Rad. Yeah. So, I don't know. Put that all together... <laughs> And uh, it suggests that there's, you know, there's a whole, I mean, there's a, there's a whole web, dark webs where these shooters are groomed or whatever or got, got help and all that kind of stuff. And, and these kind of emblems, the black sun and other, other, other uh, symbol, symbol, symbols or symbolism would be used. But the strange thing is that you've got a Ukrainian, a lot of Ukrainian soldiers, particularly of the Azov Battalion, who have been sporting, and there's plenty of video or plenty of images you can see over the, from over the past uh, two or three months. Pictures taken by the Western media stuff showing Ukrainian military personnel with that emblem on their flag jacket yeah. shirt. The one on the right there was blasted everywhere. That was from the BBC, was BBC News. The BBC. So can we say at the very least that he was radicalised by the media? You can. Except, Except he himself were disputed because included in the manifesto was an express statement. I have it here from CNN. Um, the manifesto's author attributes the internet for his beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> now, well, it, imagine well, you're an 18 year old in 2022. Mm-hmm. What 18 year old goes, I would like to make the distinction to say that all of my beliefs come from the internet. Yeah. They, they don't see the world as the internet versus the media. No. They just know the internet. Yeah. It, 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 that sounds like a boomer wrote that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, but <laughs> but uh, the int- you know, what he was radicalized by, yeah, he, well, he claims he was radicalized by the internet. He got all his information from the internet. But who, what on the internet, or rather, who on the internet? Because you throw up the uh, New York Times, again from 2012, and it's just a little 
a little reminder. Uh, you just have to stop it, Scotty, so we can see a little bit of the text. Yeah, good. Um, you may not, you may not remember this, but you should remember it because this was actually carried repeatedly by different uh, mainstream media outlets. You know, after people like us had been talking about it for for many years beforehand, terrorist plots hatched by the FBI. This is New York Times. The United States has been narrowly saved from lethal terrorist plots in recent years, or so it seemed. A would-be suicide bomber was intercepted on his way to the Capitol. A scheme to bomb synagogues and shoot stinger missiles at military aircraft was developed by men in Newburgh, New York. And a fanciful idea to fly explosive native model planes into the Pentagon and the Capitol was hatched in Massachusetts. But all these dramas were facilitated by the FBI, whose undercover agents and informers posed as terrorists, offering a dummy missile, fake C4 explosives, a disarmed suicide vest and rudimentary training. Suspects naively played their parts until they were arrested. So this is a reality. You know, I mean, we know it's a reality because we've looked at it in much more depth over the years. But even the New York Times and other mainstream media outlets have had to admit that this is a reality. So, and the, and the likelihood is, and in fact, I know for sure in several of these FBI plots, the people involved who are the, the terrorists who are eventually caught, quote unquote, uh, were contacted first on the Internet by people working for the FBI, posing as white supremacists, Al-Qaeda members, swore swore them in with Al-Qaeda oaths and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the point of saying all this is to put a big question mark over this recent shooting in Buffalo Mm. and who's actually behind it in the sense of who groomed this guy, which is very likely groomed or had some kind of help. And the fact that he's, you know, sporting a a neo-Nazi symbol on his jacket when he's doing the shooting and pledges allegiance to kind of, or, or espouses neo-Nazi right-wing, extreme right-wing uh, white supremacist values and is sporting a symbol, a neo-Nazi symbol that has also been worn by the Ukrainian military. Who the, so basically the link I'm making here is that the, some, some part of the apparatus of, of the American state, of the American government, overt or covert, is has its hands directly, very likely directly involved with neo-Nazi, foisting neo-Nazi Nazi ideology on certain individuals in America and actively supporting people who openly have neo-Nazi ideology in Ukraine mm-hmm. and giving them billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, a well, tie-in to... We know for sure <laughs> that Ukrainians were being t- taken over to the US for training. Right. Um, we also know that... Um, I think I think there are a number of instances where Ukrainians who've been instrumental in the Maidan <clears throat> popped up at places like the Capitol on January sixth. Right. Um, likely Ajon provocateur. You know. Yeah. Throw up the Twitter um, link. I think it's the only one I have. Is it? Yeah. Um, here's John Kirby, openly admitting, openly admitting something. Important. We should know is the, the training and effort that went into getting the Ukrainians ready for this kind of war over the last eight years. The United States, Canada, Britain, other allies uh, really helped train the Ukrainians in, in small unit leadership, command and control, uh, operational maneuver, the kinds of things you're seeing them do now. It's not just about the weapons. It's about the skills and the capabilities that they and the leadership that they're exerting on the battlefield. And that wasn't by accident. They really have transformed from a Soviet era, very Russian dominant sort of military 
military, very top-down, rigid, doctrinal military, to one that's much more Western-aligned in, in, in terms of the way they think and act and, and uh, actually encourage initiative on the battlefield. Again, that wasn't an accident. That was the work the United States and so many other allies over Mainly the United States. Good over the last is. eight Good years, is. he said, we have been training Ukrainian military for this kind of war. I, we've been training them for this specific conflict for the last eight years. Yeah. But it all just happened because Putin invaded Ukraine yeah. just two, three months ago, right? Yeah, out well, of the blue. For no reason whatsoever, just because he's an evil dictator. Yeah. The fact that, as Kirby just admitted, America had been actively training the Ukrainian military for this kind of war, i.e. a war against Russia. So the U.S. Kirby, Pentagon spokesman, admits that the Pentagon has been training the Ukrainian military, for eight years, for a war with Russia, has nothing to do with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Right? Nothing whatsoever. Okay. As long as we have that clear, then we're fine. Let's move on. And the Nazi in Buffalo, New York, has nothing whatsoever to do with the heroes of Azovstal. No. That's... Well, I suppose they would say, well, <clears throat> what's the matter, Joe? Can't you hold two conflicting ideas in your head simultaneously? Well, if they're the same ideas, then I can hold them even better. The, the <laughs> issue here is the, the, the moral matrix. Who's good and who's bad in this situation? I mean, obviously, anyone going and killing 10 people in a supermarket mm -hmm. is bad. No one would dispute that. Mm -hmm. um, and whatever his motivations or what he thought his motivations were. 18 years he's old. Nuts. He's 18. The interesting thing about um, his hero... Brenton Tarrant, mm -hmm. is that he was traveling the world dozens of times over four years before he did what he did in New mm -hmm. Zealand. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. the New Zealand authorities have issued a final report, a Royal Commission report, on what happened. Um, it's, a hell of a, it's a hell of a list of countries who went to. It's a sender across the Scott here. In four years, he, he went to like something like 70 countries. Mm -hmm. um, most people like globe, even globe, young globetrotters mm -hmm. don't get around Struggle that to much. Get that, Holy yeah. moly. <clears throat> he went to, among other places, North Korea at least once, um, Eastern Europe. He also went to Ukraine. Brenton Tarrant, as confirmed, was in Ukraine for a month in 2015. Mm. Oh, yeah, right when the war and... Mm -hmm. it, was, the, the it, was, it was theorized for a while, and then it was kind of, oh, shut up, but that's not actually confirmed. It is now confirmed in the final report where he traveled and what he did, and you'll probably have to do a search. The list is... Scroll down, show people how long this list is. It's Southeast Asia, East Asia, um, multiple China, times, Philippines, China, China, Central, Armenia, Kyrgyzstan, Armenia, Ukraine. For one month, followed by a week in Russia. Russia. Yeah, India, Iran. Wow. Then he's going back home. Back he was doing to a tour China, of Nepal, Turkey, doing, Greece. He's doing a tour of the CIA bases of the world. Back into Eastern Europe, Hungary, UAE, Israel. Uh, scroll up a bit there. We have a look at Israel. How long was he in Israel? For about a, uh, uh, 10 days. 10 days, yep. In 2016. Wow. Elsewhere in the Middle East. Well traveled young man. <clears throat> Oh, that's over four years. That's just 2016 you're looking at. Because on and on. Scroll all the way down to the map that gives you an idea of how far this lone gunman working totally on his own traveled the world in four years. And never met anybody who he might have uh, 
They might have uh, maybe encouraged him or put him up to it. or I couldn't find it in time for the show, but something dodgy happened a couple of years ago where there was a scandal in Austria. Um, uh, it's the one that, that made the government fall where mm-hmm. there was a honey trap mm-hmm. and the vice chancellor got caught talking to someone posing as a Russian heiress. She right. wasn't. She was a plant. Well, she wanted favorable coverage in the media yeah, for, for Russia, Russia in exchange uh, for uh, investment, investment. Yeah. And he fell, and it took the whole government down with it. An interesting thing in the middle of that was that the British intelligence couldn't help but pipe up mm-hmm. <laughs> to let the Austrians know that um, because, well, it, it, it was a kind of a stick to help the process along for the government to fall. Just prior to him falling, they said, you know, we're going to have to remove Austria from this list of select countries that get special intelligence. Mm-hmm. For example, we have special information here about the Christchurch shooting and the fact that he visited Austria, you know. So we're just letting you know that this special information will be withheld from you until you, someone in Austria, behind the scenes, makes the right decision. About, and then you'll be let back into this club of secret special intelligence. Moves away from Russia, basically. So or becomes antagonistic It doesn't Russia. matter what exactly. The, the point is they were sending a message to someone in the know high up in Austria mm-hmm. that you're out of this club that involves special information about people who carry out massacres of Muslims the far side of the world, halfway to almost in Antarctica, ostensibly as a white supremacist. And it can happen anywhere, and we have the, we have the information on it, and we, will, we may or may not share that with you. So, Depending on how you behave politically. Because, because we organize it. It was because rank it. internal interference in, obviously, affairs of a small country, and it involved... Something that shouldn't. It, right, the media said it was just a white supremacist Nazi who decided to go massacre a bunch of Muslims. Well, this guy in Buffalo is not just a white supremacist Nazi who decided to go and kill some black people in in in, in Buffalo in, in America. Put up bu- the Buffalo JPEG. You'll be shocked to see this news. I want to see the shock in your face when you read this one. It's hard to shock me these days, Joe. Insider, um, Russia could strike back at the West by calling on its network of white supremacist groups to commit terror attacks there, analysts warn. Hang on, let me reread that in my head. Uh, Russia's going to... Russia, Russia oh, did. there being the West, so yes. Russia could actually... Russia did yesterday, quite possibly, in Buffalo. Oh, I see where This guy yeah. that we're suggesting based on evidence and past form, was probably groomed by some element of the Western um, network. American establishment, uh, is ac- uh, uh, was actually groomed by Russians. And they're doing this as an asymmetric warfare against America. Interesting they're that trying they, to bring down America interesting that by inciting they, civil war. They don't mind the method being articulated clearly in headlines, oh, of course. so long as it's projected well, that's whole, onto... Remember conspiracy theories? Uh, yeah. Or sorry, false flags? Yeah. False flags that John Kirby talked about. Or no, it wasn't John Kirby. It was one of his friends. Yeah. And uh, talked about uh, false flags. Russia going to carry false flags. Jake Sullivan or something. False flags are normal. They happen, but only uh, when carried out by Russia. Interesting. So, yeah. It's it's so, so predictable. That headline is so predictable. Like, I mean, uh, I, I mean, obviously I wasn't shocked, although um, I am a little bit surprised sometimes when they are so flagrant about it, you know. Uh, so crass. And pointing the finger, you know, rather than yeah. looking in the mirror type thing. How, how do you how do you actually say 
Russia has a network of white supremacist groups that are going to commit terrorist acts when all over the media, including like the BBC and mainstream. It's Trump's like fault. Could, it's, <laughs> there's dudes with, with freaking Nazi symbols on their uniforms. The, even the Western media has said point blank, the Christchurch shooter, da, 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 Ukrainian neo-Nazi Azov battalion. Everyone mm -hmm. knows the Azov battalion. Mm -hmm. Everyone sees the photos. Everyone see. What did you see? A Russian with a Nazi symbol on there? Two two words: dynamic narratives. But it, it's like <laughs> I, it's crazy, isn't it? It's oh, crazy. Oh, oh, oh. Make, we make up square the circle. They make up stuff as they go along. It's, it's they can just flip it on its head from from one week to the next. But what happened last year? What we said last year? What was true last year is no longer true if it doesn't fit the narrative. And not only that, but John Kirby says, "Yeah, for the past eight years, we're funding them. We've been planning to have a war with Russia, is what and we've said. been planning to have a war and via Ukraine." I have some follow-up here. Um, yeah, possibly some more data, but to flesh out this this idea of international networking. Um, this is from an Australian news report about Brent Brenton Tarrant. I think at the time or Christ shortly Ch after the Christchurch shooter. Um, can you scroll down to the subheadline, the false trail? That map, not the map. No, the trailer. There you yeah, go. here we go. Okay, so <clears throat> let's have a look at oh, this. We're not going back to Brevik, are we? Well, no. It's worth bringing up because no, but I mean, it's crazy. Uh, that the way the way the connections are made, with carefully placed inf information in the media. Remember, these guys don't say jack. They do the thing, and then they're. Silence. They're voiceless thereafter. Yeah. The only thing that is, speaks for them is a manifesto found somewhere and anonymously given to CNN, etc. Yeah, that they filled in. That they filled in a form Apparently. somewhere. Um, the false trail. Okay, so this is, remember, 2019, 2020, looking back at 2011 massacre in uh, Norway. A copy of Oslo terrorist Breivik's manifesto was found on an SD memory card associated with the Christchurch, Brenton Tarrant's drone. The commission believed the Christchurch tutor was significantly influenced by the Oslo terrorist, finding similarities in his preparation, bulking up, joining a rifle club, etc. When interviewed by police, Brenton Tarn referred to the reborn Knights Templar. <laughs> I know, it's, it sounds well, yeah. loony, but, but it's the placing of this looniness that, that's interesting. He also said in his manifesto he received a blessing from the Oslo terrorist through his brother Knights for his attack. The Knights Templar Order International had a knighting ceremony in Wrocław in Poland on December 15, 2018. Tarrant was in Poland that day, but the maximum time he could have been in Wrocław was very precise, isn't it? They know exactly where he was. One hour and 21 minutes. There was no evidence he attended the meeting. Okay, let's scroll. This is the most interesting part. He, Tarrant, said the reference was a red herring. Authorities were, quote, supposed to follow but not eat the damn thing. Okay, this is someone else speaking now. The purpose was to add apparent credibility to his otherwise not very plausible narrative that he had received international support for his planned attack and consequently prompt unnecessary official inquiry, describing it as an elaborate trolling exercise. <laughs> now, what they're suggesting here in this Nine News report is that this is all concocted as an elaborate trolling exercise by Brenton Tarrant. I would suggest that he is in some way directed or placed sheep dip to be in Rotswav at the time of this supposed meeting mm -hmm. so that the connection can be made 
And so that such information contrived, if you like, can be fed to international intelligence agencies when they share and meet up at the secret clubs mm. as something real, something hard, mm. something tangible to use. But once it's actually put out in the light of day, it's like, hang on a second, he would have been in the city for an hour. He couldn't possibly have actually gone there. Mm -hmm. But the placing of him there mm -hmm. is supposed to, it's a false trail. And in a sense, it, it's the creation of a false network. Or rather, it's, it's diabolical because in a sense, they're saying, yes, there's a network. Mm -hmm. But, we've covered, but putting, we've covered it with a false flag. They're putting, they're putting it in, in the... In the mouth of people like him, yeah. who are who, and it's immediately discredited because it's in his mouth. Mouth because he's put a he's presented as a crazy person, right? And so people reading, oh, the reborn Knights Templar, okay, whatever. But it wasn't the Knights Templar he was talking to. The Knights Templar were a bunch of Satanists, basically, kind of like neo Nazis today. Right back in yonder. So it's, in appropriate, it's an appropriate. Time, reference. It's an appropriate reference, but the person he's talking to doesn't actually see himself as such. He, the person he's talking to is a brother in the sense that he's been groomed. It's a handler of mm. some type. Mm -hmm. What's his name? Brevik had the same thing in his manifesto. He even posed for photographs that somebody took of him in full garb. Mm -hmm. Freemasonic garb is one, like uh, scuba gear and harpoon is another. Mm -hmm. And a third is some kind of Templar symbol yep. on his suit or something. Mm -hmm. So. Whoever he's talking to gets him to believe he's just joined a secret society. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Al -Qaeda reborn. Or Al-Qaeda. Yeah. But Similar. in fact, like Al-Qaeda, it's actually just a database of useful idiots. Right. And, behind, manipulate. and the person swearing, swearing you into this secret society is uh, an FBI informant or a other intelligence agency informant. Yeah. One of the alphabet suit. Yeah. That works, people. Um, interestingly, uh, later in 2020, I'm going to send this one to Scott as well. It's, it's an interesting follow-up because it shows this shows kind of how things go, can go in two directions. So, you know, is Tarrant, his, is it his going to Ukraine that radicalized them or vice versa? Well, it's a dynamic situation. This is a report from 2020. No one obviously paid attention to it because of what was going on at the time. Headline, Sydney Morning Herald, Ukraine, so the Ukrainian government, raids houses of neo-Nazi followers of Christchurch Shooter. Mm -hmm. Why the hell, why would they do that? Yeah. And Well, the SBU, that's our friend, uh, our friends, whatever, the Ukrainian intelligence service raiding premises of people they believe linked to. Maybe they did meet this guy, maybe they didn't. Maybe they just liked his stuff and were saying similar things on the internet. But think about it. You know what? What we know of Ukraine now, why would people having sympathy for Tarrant or anyone like him stand out in Ukraine? Someone decided to make arrests in Ukraine for a specific reason. And it wasn't to do with wearing sun and rods or expressing support for killing Untermensch mm -hmm. because, well, look at Ukraine today. That's totally kosher, right? Yeah, neo-Nazi followers. A lot of it, internet is responsible for all of this really because it wouldn't really be possible in the way that in the way that it is without the internet and you know intel agencies of western governments in particular are running you know on 4chan or 8chan or subreddits whatever dedicated specifically to grooming finding people you know because i mean that that headline said followers of of Brev, of uh, of tarrant yeah uh, so there's people on there like gullible teenagers basically who are for whatever 
you know, because of their personality types or their upbringing or whatever, are, you know, predisposed to that kind of viewpoint just because they want to act up, maybe a lot of them. And they're, it's like, it's like taking candy from a baby for members of intel agencies to effectively groom them and find the right ones and take them along to certain, and organize meets and all that kind of stuff. You know, they, uh, there's so much of that stuff going on on the internet anyway on other mm. topics. It's so easy to have one that's dedicated to militant, right-wing, save-the-white-race kind of uh, um, you know, ideologies or beliefs or mm. whatever and get people involved in it. It's, uh, yeah. it. It really is child's play, you know. Um, yeah. So anyway, it was an interesting uh, series of connections there, uh, I think, anyway. Um between the whole thing and it points points to an overarching a controlling hand in the whole thing really uh, you know and like we were talking about the other day um, there's some people who can accept that based on the evidence and the fact that it, it maps to reality and explains a lot of the holes and, and you know the whys for all of these things or the hows for all of these kind of attacks and different things it, it explains um, it explains it in a much more coherent way than anybody else or anything else, you know what I mean? Because there is no really, no, is no other op- explanation. Yeah. Or any other explanation simply doesn't make sense. Yeah. Some dude yeah. who's travelled all around the world and uh, somehow managed to go into a mosque in in, in, uh, in New Zealand, for example, in Christchurch and kill what? Uh, 51 people. With no training and kill 51 people. Um, and the way, you know, all of these anomalies in terms of like the, what we just talked about with the uh, Buffalo uh, shooter who like f- apparently filling in a form saying, I was the only one who did this. Please remember I was the only one who carried out this attack. And I was only informed by the internet. Like an 18-year-old yeah. today <clears throat> just doesn't say that. Right. I, I really think that's... Yeah. <laughs> Written for him, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of discrepancies and holes in this, sto- in this in these kind of stories, in these, in these events. And the only thing that really explains them, and, and it's logical, it's rational, uh, except that it poses a, a pretty a pretty horrible picture of how certain sections of Western intelligence agencies uh, operate and what their agenda is and what they do to people and what the, what their agenda is, yeah, um, yeah. In, in terms of um, facilitating these kind of... Like we said, New York Times, FBI terror plots facilitated by the FBI. Mm-hmm. Would not have happened without the FBI, FBI effectively doing them. Span that out to other intel... Uh, agencies and you know and other events um and those who can't go there so to speak they in a sense the, the one thing that's left open to them is what we've seen and what is encouraged of course by the media is to go with well okay these nazis are heroes hmm. because otherwise it's like <coughs> hang on if they're nazis <coughs> Hitler, evil, Germany, my government's supporting them. Wait, my government's actually giving them everything to do Nazi-like things very much, you know, really tortured, barbaric stuff. No, can't, can't, can't go there. So instead, I'm going to be offered the circus of... Didn't, didn't, and I should support them and cheer for them. Support, and I'll supporting, just go with that. Supporting the, the brain. It's easier for the brain to, to cheer and yeah. dance yeah, and think it's all with good. Nazis yeah. than it is to... To realise the implications of... How evil uh, their government is. Yeah. Well, they already, they already took the, the Western populations there with uh, Al-Qaeda uh, and Syria. Al-Qaeda carried out the 9-11 attacks. They were the arch enemy, Definitely. the arch evil. Mm-hmm. And they turned the various Al-Qaeda-linked groups and ISIS-linked groups in, in, uh, in Syria into heroes of the resistance fighting against the evil Assad. So people mm. have already gone there. Yeah. 
this uh, is one step no, further this down. One. This is one step further down yep. to, the, to, to the Lake of Fire, though. Yeah, yeah. Where this is like Al Qaeda wins the Eurovision Song Contest, right? And everyone cheers, right? And dances, yeah, sort of. Yeah, oh, it's, it's going. It's going there. It's, it's by degrees. It's one degree it's, further. It's one degree further. Further down, you know. It's it's, 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 it's what Lavrov said this week. I like this term, um, and he's he's not being hyperbolic. It's it's a, the precise term to use. It's a continued moral degradation of the West. Yeah, and, and moral is important because from it everything else. If your values are wrong or, or, or getting messed up, you're going to end up trying to square a circle that is impossible to do so. Mm-hmm. And so your only choice left for your brain rather than try to c- compete with the stress it gives you, is to just go along with it and celebrate mm-hmm. it. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. And to vote up the Azov Battalion. And, I mean, Zelensky says uh, he has announced after Ukraine has won the Eurovision that uh, it's going to be held in Mariupol next year. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> they can be held at the Azovstal, you know? Yeah, yeah, in the bunkers. Um, yeah. <laughs> But that, I thought that was actually funny when he'd say that. I mean, it's just pure, crass, you know, talking complete shit, basically. Like, just throw, you know, not unashamedly talking shit, like talking stuff up as if it's, you know, rah, rah, let's do it. Totally divorced from reality and the likely outcome is, there's, you know, Mariupol is, is already part of Russia. Ukraine is not going to have the Eurovision Song Contest next year in fucking Mariupol. has had. Jesus Christ. Cocaine, baby. Cocaine. Um, yeah. Um, Anything is possible. Although they did, on that Eurovision Song Contest, I think, the, the presenter, you know, they have a presenter from each of the countries. Mm. The presenter for Ukraine was in a bunker. <laughs> I saw a photo. I didn't believe Nancy it. Nancy Pelosi, who was the latest guy, the Republicans who, who went Oh, there. Mitch McConnell went Mitch this McConnell, week. and then before that, Lindsey Graham and, and Pelosi and all that. Swan around Kiev, right? Standing in that plush hotels, walking around the streets, shaking hands, all that kind of stuff. They can do that a week ago, but this week for the European uh, Eurovision Song Contest, the presenter from Ukraine has to be in a bunker because of the air raids. Right. He's obviously in Kiev, right? That's the capital. That's where he's broadcasting from, but he's in a bunker. With, with, and clearly with bunker walls behind him, let's yeah. say. And, you know, that level of propaganda is just like, I mean, how stupid do you have to be? <laughs> if you believe it already, if you're actively preemptively believing that stuff, then yeah, it probably works for you. But if you've got a small amount of your bullshit detector is functioning even at a minimal level, surely that you go, ah, dude, really? I mean, you don't need to be involved. Nancy Pelosi was whatever, whatever. If you can't understand it, forget about it. Um, uh, Traveler Ryan asks an important question. Yeah. <clears throat> It says, what happens if the state that wins the Eurovision Song Contest no longer exists the following year? Mm. It goes to the nearest country. That, um, that would be, un- be Russia. <laughs> <laughs> that would be unprecedented. That would, that would be the first time that happened. It would be interesting to... Uh... Good question. Write into the European Broadcasting Union and ask them what their, what their bylaw for that is. That thing about it, it could never be political. Mm. You know? It's... It's another symptom of the West, and it shows the degrees to which things are degrading as well. Like 2014 went political. And in an incon- it's interesting. On the surface, it had nothing to do with um, the coup in Kiev and then the retaking of Crimea and the launch of civil war in Donbass. It was just that there was this very strange character who won. Um, and 
two years later, Ukraine won. And in this case, it was a, more like a normal song. But the song was about the deportation of Crimean Tatars mm. back in 1944. Mm-hmm. Of course, completely... Bl- and the sort of hit, not so subtle reference was, you know, poor Ukraine... Russia evil, Russia evil then, Russia evil today, Russia evil forever kind of thing. Of course, left out of the context was, yeah, I'm not suggesting Stalin had the right idea when he started moving people around, but he did that because of the scale of collaboration of a large number of them Mm -hmm. with the Nazi regime Mm -hmm. in the slaughter of all kinds of everyone else Mm -hmm. in Crimea and, and Ukraine at the time. So that... It's okay. You, you bleach that fact, and otherwise it looks fine. But you know, year by year, things degrade to the point where you know we're having a much more direct conflict, east and west. At this point, it's no longer just a civil war in Donbass. Mm-hmm. The symbols are far more in your face. Uh, the tattoos, the the things Ukrainians get up to versus Russians uh, mm-hmm. in this war, and it's like we're not talking about theoretical things that were or were not done in 1944, people. Mm-hmm. At this point, you're choosing to align your moral position with in-your-face torture mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know? And it's not looking good. It's not looking good for people. I mean, Jesus, it was almost 20 years since, like, we are worried about the fate of people just accepting torture post-9-11, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, now they get the videos and everything. And they're still told to cheer, you know, right. for that side. It's, it's kind of... I, I nearly fell off my chair today because there was a... Uh, I didn't actually read the article in French on Le Monde, but there was an article on Le Monde that was... Uh, they had independent analysts, blah, 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 confirming the video of when the Ukrainian soldiers were shooting the Russian captives in the mm-hmm. leg. And they said, yes, this is accurate. This is, it's, it's a humanitarian crisis. It's against the Geneva Conventions, blah, blah, blah. And this is Le Monde, which is like mainstream mm-hmm. French newspaper. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought yeah, that yeah. was kind of interesting. Yeah, a shocking bit of... Uh, it's not wall to wall. It's not complete, of, yeah. No, it was a shocking... Bit. That's what shocks me these days. It's not the stuff like, you know, Russia is, is behind the mass shooting events, white supremacist mass shooting events in... Uh, in America, it's whenever I see the Western media admitting something <clears throat> that is obviously true and has been true for quite a long time, you know, actually admitting that it's true. Uh, that's what just knocks me off my seat. I'm like, whoa, mind blown, <laughs> you know. Um, whenever a sliver of light gets through. Famine. Oh, but just before that, did you see that there was an Israeli Azov yeah. member? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He put out an appeal. It was aired. Twitter's removed it, though. I, I can't show it to you anymore. But obviously, that's like, Okay, no, yeah. delete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't even just I mean, delete it. We won't it. even try and justify that one, yeah, or explain that. Yeah. Well, if it goes back to what Lavrov said, right? That uh, some of the uh, biggest, most ardent anti-Semites were Jewish, or are Jewish. Yeah. Does that mean that Putin has to unapologize now? Yeah. <clears throat> no, Putin. Putin. Uh, Putin to just shut up and famine. What do you want to talk about famine? Well, I just sent the sky there. Russia's Black oh. Sea blockade pushing millions towards famine. G seven says, "Yay, 
Foreign ministers called for action to allow export of Ukrainian grain as Kiev claimed Russian withdrawal from second largest city. Um, millions, of, millions of people will starve to death unless Russia allows the export of Ukrainian grain from blockaded ports. Um, the G7 government said the Russian president was pushing 43 million people towards famine. You see, there's no way. We thought that the, over the past, you know, ten years or so, the demonization of Putin as a baby killer and as a, you know, a, a chemical weapons a poisoner of innocent people with chemical weapons, the scripts, all that kind of stuff, uh, shooting down of planes, blah 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 blah, was the worst. No, mm. that's it. Can go further. I used to think, well, they, they've said everything bad that they can pass. Anybody could possibly say about another person about Putin, <coughs> but maybe not. Genocidal maniac. He's up there with Pol Pot. Uh, 43 million people. You may see uh, claims or articles or reports or statements by Western media and politicians over the next year or two where they directly blame Putin for killing 43 million people or more. Yeah. Um, at that G7 meeting, uh, the German foreign minister said, characterized this as Russia made a conscious decision to turn the war against Ukraine into a grain war. This, she alleges, is now affecting a wide range of states, especially in Africa. Mm -hmm. We must not be naive about this, she warns. It's not collateral damage. It's a perfectly deliberate instrument in a hybrid war. Right. Um, someone else called it, a, I can't remember who, a global holodomor. You know what that term is? Holodomor, Holodomor, yep. Yeah. yeah. yeah, you, yeah. That's a loaded term, of course. Um, Stalin, supposedly. Did Stalin, it. yeah, it's, it's revisionist history. It's, um, it's it become the new revised history in which Stalin caused this mass Ukraine, this mass famine in Ukraine in the early 1930s. But completely bleached is the global context that there was global famine at the right. time the early 30s like for example in the United States mm -hmm. um, there are something like there's a, the there's a population glitch in censuses from 1930 to 1940 in the United States and no one has ever figured out what happened the only obvious solution to it is that there's about 10 million people well no it's been revised down it's about 7 million people yeah. who died in a famine conditions in the Great Depression in the US. Anyway, I point that out because that was global in nature. But in this uh, revising of history, the Holodomor today, it, it's no longer a structural agency as ascribed to it. Mm -hmm. And it's Stalin and it's Ru yeah. Russia. And <clears throat> it's well, history repeats, right? Um, the fake, the, the, the revising of history that has gone on about the Holodomor is... Uh, is happening. So it, it was revised after the fact, right? And it's being kind of sort of corrected, at least in some circles now, that like you just said, it was, wasn't was as bad as they said and there was a global uh, food food crisis or, or crop failure, basically. Uh, well, that's actually happening now, mm. but Agencies the, revi the revising of it is happening much quicker and can happen much quicker. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know... Um, because of the internet and the speed of information and all that kind of stuff, if you just put up that article we we're just looking at, Scotty, from The Guardian, um, just go down under the picture, a few paragraphs under the picture of those boats at the 
Oh, I need to register oh, to keep just reading. say I'll do it later. Underneath, yeah. Oh. Uh, just go down to the pic- picture of boats and then... Yeah, mm. past him. Don't stop at him. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, no, maybe it's a boat. Sorry, sorry it's a- actually near the top. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh. Um, so under the ad, at the very bottom there, Russia's unprovoked and premeditated war of aggression has exacerbated the global economic outlook with sharply rising food, fuel, and energy prices, the G7 said. Uh, in, a, in a joint statement. So they're basically, as far as the average person is concerned, blaming Russia for all of these problems. Um, mm. Except, um, except, except, except for this. So you got to, you know, check around and not just, you know, take one, one story as, as the truth. Uh, this is from the uh, Economic Times of India. From India to France, wheat crops are coming under threat everywhere. So we just heard that mm-hmm. Russia is to blame for the, the possibly, potentially for the, for the death of 43 million people through famine because they're blockading, or, or, and we don't know if that's true, they're blockading uh, Black Sea ports to ship out uh, wheat. Of course, the West has said they're doing it by rail, so it's not a problem. There's, they're getting wheat out of Ukraine uh, where they can by rail. So we take that with a grain of salt. But the real problem is this. Indeed, France, wheat crops are coming under threat everywhere. Uh, as Russia's invasion, again, they can't help but uh, add that in Add that in at the beginning. Droughts, but the second paragraph, droughts, flooding, and heat waves threaten output from the US to France and India, compounding, compounding. shrinking production in Ukraine. Now, um, I think Ukraine produces... It's number one exporter or producer. Uh, exporter of something? No, it's something like uh, uh, Russia is number one Russia, exporter. Yeah. Ukraine is ten percent, I think, about ten percent of the world's wheat, right? But if you include U.S., France, and India, India doesn't actually export very much at all. If anything, of wheat that keeps pretty much all of it for its own population. And they re- yesterday, India. It was kind of weird. They said that they're they're Stopping banning all export. wheat exports, but they hardly export any any wheat at all. A little bit, all. but they need whatever little about little amount that they export. Um, they need it because they're having a very bad, uh, serious drought and serious heat wave just over the past few months. So the the the, the planting and growing the growing the, of, of wheat right now is uh, is not going very well. Let's say same in France, same in the US, and same in several other countries. So why in France? Because it's too damn hot. Yes, right. So, and not lack of rain. Uh, so, that's the reality, but they put it all on Russia's doorstep, right? Right. And then, of course, in the Guardian article, they mentioned uh, gas prices, right? And uh, food, fuel, fuel prices. Uh, but if you just go to the RT article, Scotty, uh, again, um, if you just look around, uh, Joe Biden, or the Biden administration, I should say, because Joe Biden doesn't do very much, uh, the Biden administration has just this week cancelled oil lease sales despite the fuel crisis. So they cancelled three offshore oil and natural gas lease sales, including one in Alaska, diminishing prospects for new resources of supply, even as record gasoline prices help keep the US inflation rate at a 40-year high. So as gas prices are high and there's you know a kind of a, a shortage, a manufactured shortage in the, in the sense of, uh, at least nominally or officially, Western countries not buying Russian oil, and there, therefore there's a, a, a supply problem or a lack of oil, at least, and gas, possibly in the near future, for European countries. 
the Biden administration is shutting off domestic production, mm. pot- potential domestic production. I.e., there's just and the reason they say it is that there's um, they said um, they said basically that there was no interest. There was. Uh, A lack of they said for, for for lack of interest, but they themselves, because of their policies of shutting down oil, uh, you know, screwing up the oil market basically yeah. by messing with it by by embargoing Russian oil and all that kind of stuff, make it much less much less attractive for, for investors. potential investors to actually extract oil because they're trying to mothball oil basically, right? Which fits with the whole green agenda, right? That's what they want to do. That's what we've been hearing for years: climate change, et cetera, et cetera, global warming. We need to stop using fossil fuels. Well, they're actually seem to be in the process of consciously and deliberately trying to shut down the supply of fossil fuels like over in a very short period of time yeah. uh, leading to what? The deaths of millions of starvation of millions of people that is already a problem because of actual climate change <laughs> that's Again, the climate change issue is about whether or not it's man-made and whether or not shutting down fossil fuels will actually help climate change. They're, they're effectively would be linking, for example, the drought, uh, the heat waves in France and, and, um, and, in, and, in, and the problems in the U.S., you know, crop production in the U.S., in, in France, in India and in other countries. They link that to climate change caused by humans. But it's not uh, caused by humans, but they pretend it is anyway and justify... But Again, they're not even justifying the shutting down, as we've seen. They're not even justifying the mothballing of fossil fuel production and therefore consumption anymore so much uh, because of uh, man-made global warming. Now they switch to Russia. Russia, It's almost like that wasn't tenable or it wasn't working fast enough. Mm -hmm. It wasn't convincing the population fast enough. So we've got to do it Mm -hmm. more directly. We've got to cut it off directly ourselves. We We can't expect people to... To get on board with the kind of like yes, you know the climate's warming and we're causing the destruction of the planet. We need to stop using fossil fuels. Everybody's like, yeah, but it doesn't seem so bad out there. And you know, yeah. stopping using fossil fuels would be really hard because of what are we going to replace them with? We don't have anything really practical to pr- replace them with. So they, the governments appear to be in the process of saying, well, you know what, we'll just shut them down anyway. Yeah. But under the under the guise of evil Russian aggression in Ukraine, it's so. It, we keep coming up against it, don't we? It's, tease it out, you know. A wilf, there's a willful, destructive element here. It's insane. Yeah. These people know full well, full well. It doesn't. It almost doesn't. For argument's sake, let's say the climate's normal, right? When it goes to any extreme, the only reason um, crops succeed as they do during any time of extreme, say the extreme heat waves of the 1970s, I don't know, pick a decade, is because Oil-based fertilizers. Mm-hmm. It that's the only reason we've had stability. Right. These last since the Great Depression, since the Great Dust Bowl, right. Since the Great Global Famine, which it was of the 1930s, which was the hottest year objectively on record in the modern era, the 1930s. Um, it and it's been the oil-based economy that, that has saved life, that has kept fed us all in that time. So they're taking away that which then the hand that feeds. The hand that gave us that, the it was Rockefeller it Oil, Big Oil, the Seven Sisters Oil Companies mm-hmm. that set up that agribusiness in the first place is now saying, ah, we're packing up and going home. And the rest of us are supposed to go, well, oh. the rest of us are meant to pray for Ukraine. Well, this brings me to a specific country, 
I think it's worth looking at because it brings it's, it's connected here. Have you seen what's happening in Sri Lanka? Yes, but. But uh, you want to do something first? No, I just wanted to come on that article, on that RT article. Um, that uh, we just had up there, Scott. If you put it back up for a second, um, uh, go down to the tweet. Uh, just as as so, the Biden administration basically in this ruling <coughs> shut down potential oil fields that would you know increase supply and and solve at least help to mitigate the, the what they're doing in terms of sanctioning Russia and all that kind of stuff. But this guy, Dan K. Eb- Eberhardt, uh, in his tweet, he says, the decision to cancel Alaska, Alaska oil and gas lease sale makes zero sense in this energy-constrained environment. America is short on supply and consumers are paying the price at the pump. Uh, so you have the administration doing something in terms of not you know, shutting, you know, cancelling leases that would produce oil. And this guy is basically the chief executive of Canary LLC, which is a Denver-based um, drilling services company. Basically, he's the guy who would have maybe taken those leases to, to produce oil. And he's saying, he, he's at the coalface, let's say. He knows mm-hmm. the, the, the industry and what's actually happening uh, in the industry and how it's affecting consumers. And he says it's ridiculous, it's crazy. Why would they do that? I mean, when we're already constrained, why would you shut off the taps when we're already constrained? Potent- shut off mm-hmm. uh, new potential taps. So uh, it's an example like, of what you're saying of this almost conscious policy against all the evidence and against the evidence or, or the opinions of people who know what they're talking about because they're the ones who actually mm-hmm. uh, have their, their finger on the pulse of the whole uh, supply and, and consumption of, yeah. of oil and gas and the need for it, uh, but they're ignored. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. <clears throat> um, Sri Lanka. So there's been some serious rioting in Sri Lanka. Um, yeah. The last two months, I think, but it's really gone up a notch in the last week. Um, I've got some videos. I'm going to send I'm gonna send them all three, actually, to you at one spot. Maybe you can play one after the other. It's crazy. So it began as protests, relatively peaceful. Then it became riots. And at this point, they're chasing down politicians. Um, the government has fallen. The uh, well, Let's just look at these two for now. Yeah, the prime minister has officially resigned. Um, I forget his name, but he's part of a clan that's been in power for certainly behind the scenes in Sri Lanka for, for decades. So let's look at this first one here. This is footage of a politician's car being chucked in the river. This week. And it's gone. A whole fleet of cars, I believe. And people are suffering. And the people are living with one meal per day. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I'm so sorry to say this. Okay, let's go to the next one. This has police on the run from protesters. Um, I think I've heard that uh, something like 200 people have been killed. Um, that would be protesters or police.
Okay, in these next two videos, um, the first one is allegedly the Prime Minister's son, his fleet of expensive cars. Let's see what happened to them. Don't bother with the sound, it's just some music. We don't want any, any Bangla. What are they, Lamborghinis? Yeah. How many do you need? They're all the same colour, for God's sake. <laughs> and they're gone. And they're burned. They broke, they found where he lived, broke in, and they torched them all. Um, yeah. The Prime Minister resigned, but a mob still burned down his house. That's the next video. One of his homes, anyway. In Colombo, Sri Lanka. Yeah. There's the Prime Minister's name. Mahinda Raja Rajapaska. A house. This this tweet claims houses of many MPs have also been burned down. Mm-hmm. Um, security forces have been given a shoot on site issue. Uh-huh. Just start shooting people. I don't mm-hmm. know how how far along that is. Um, there's a report here from France 24. This is from today. Some more details about how crazy the situation is this is what it's going to happen like mm-hmm. more and more often um when people are reduced to one meal a day you know food riots like this was event we've mentioned it before this is what sparked the egypt <coughs> uprising back in 2011 yeah uh, france 24 sri lanka orders offensive to contain riots um scroll, can you search for but the crisis moved So, but the crisis moved into a darker phase on Monday, last Monday, I guess, when government supporters with sticks and clubs attacked demonstrators who had been protesting peacefully for weeks, demanding the president's resignation. Mobs then retaliated across the country late into the night, torching dozens of homes of ruling party politicians. Scroll down. Mahinda Rajapaska had to be rescued in a pre that's the president of the country, had to be rescued in a pre-dawn military operation on Tuesday and taken to a naval dockyard for safety after protests tried to storm. They did succeed in storming his official residence. One ruling party politician gunned down two people on Monday night after his car was surrounded. Another shot dead, another politician shot dead a 27-year-old man and then himself, Clay said. It's so um, it's a full-bore chaos here. Just so... Why? What happened in Sri Lanka? Okay, the government last year declared that all farming would become organic. Mm-hmm. They, it was an, actually an election manifesto. It sounded attractive enough, and they passed it last year. But people's understanding was that it would be a 10-year process mm-hmm. that this transition would take place because it takes time. Literally, the soil cannot take it overnight. If you've been using oil-based fertilizer right. for so long, you, you, you can't just do it overnight. Mm-hmm. Well, when it came to law, he said, I want it like that. Crops failed all over the place. Mm-hmm. They couldn't stand the heat, obviously. Mm-hmm. It has extreme climate there. Mm-hmm. Tea crop failed 20%. Tea crop is their main cash crop, their main export crop mm-hmm. in Sri Lanka. Failed. Um, yeah, so it was sold to people as going green. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a crazy detail here in the following report. That brings us back 
to what we were getting at before, this element of willful destruction in the way this thing was put through. Mm-hmm. Like, they're either very stupid people in power or they're very stupid and have something else that they're trying to achieve. Headline, uh, headline here from Science. Sri Lanka's problems are anything but organic. So they're going to argue, scroll down here. It's, it's actually, it's a short article, but it's worth um, getting the analysis out here. Okay, so... The main problem is indeed, as is being discussed in media reports about this, organic farming. Um, and yet the collapse of Sri Lanka's economy has had little to do with organic farming per se and much more to do with disastrous handling of its economy, specifically how this measure was, was put in place. They banned inorganic... First, it says the bottom, uh, down towards the bottom, the first thing to note about Sri Lanka's decision to ban the import of inorganic fertilizers is that it was based on desperation rather than planning. Yeah. Um, over a period of 10 years, that's what you were saying, not overnight. No large-scale plan was drawn up, no public discussions with farmers was undertaken and the people in government pushing the policies included those who come up with locally made syrups to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. Scroll down a bit more. I think I remember it gives a hint as to why they did this so rashly. They were under some kind of pressure. Oh, yeah. I I get it now. So because of the lockdowns, the country, their, their main actual profit is comes from tourism so because of the lockdowns tourism fell off a cliff mm-hmm. the country's foreign exchange reserve plummeted and because of this huge loss and the cost of importing they've no oil right so they have to import oil-based fertilizers that they don't manufacture themselves that the country imposed a ban on it mm-hmm. forcing two-thirds of its population that depends on agriculture to suddenly scramble to make a shift to organic farming anyway so crops fell it, it's it's manly, oil it's prices, willful. All prices going through the roof as well as a result of Western sanctions against Russia. So it's a multifaceted and it's all making a situation, a, a difficult situation, much, much worse deliberately. And Sri Lanka is a good example. It's 21 million people or so living in the country. It's just off the south coast of, of India. <clears throat> and, you know, it's an island, decent-sized island. But, you know, it, it could be, you know, What's ha- what you're seeing in Sri Lanka and what you're seeing in Sri Lanka as a result of, you know, mismanagement by government, corrupt government and the global situation, which is being mismanaged essentially and like almost deliberately so by Western powers who are at the, at the head of it. That situation could very, you'll start to see that spreading into India proper mm-hmm. in the near future, probably over the course of this year. Yeah. Um. The, the article makes an analogy. So the crazy decision they made with banning the import of fertilizers, the author says, to make an analogy, this would be the equivalent of India running out of foreign exchange reserves to buy coal from overseas and shutting down all coal power plants except that those that could be run on locally sourced fuel. So that brings us back to Alaska. Like you're in a situation where the supply is already tight. Mm-hmm. And the one thing you shouldn't do, you do. Right, like, why? There, logically, it, it's illogical. It's, but it's mindless, unless you've got another outcome, agenda, right? And this outcome riots to the point of the government falling. Like he's resigned, but people are still rioting. I don't know how. I don't know how elites in general think they're going to get through this. You know, there, there is Sri Lanka shows there is no splendid isolation. 
people are smart. They have internet. They have cell phones. They'll figure out where your other home is up in the hills, and they'll burn it to the ground. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be complete chaos if that kind of if this, if this is the template for what's going to follow in other countries. Once people get down to one meal a day, right? It's complete insanity, for sure. Uh, China. Well, China, China. Well, China do the same thing. Can you imagine one and a half billion people? China has China at least smarter than that in that sense, where they have a pretty significant uh, green storage stocks um, to avoid just that kind of situation. Um, at least in the, at least in the short term. Um, interesting article from I think you have it, Scotty. Is it Reuters? Yeah, Reuters. Um, Kind of, you know, do you have it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, throw it up there. Um, China wants to take. Reuters is always good because they just give you the facts straight up when they're when they're allowed to. China wants to take Taiwan peacefully, but is preparing militarily. U.S. U.S. intelligence officials. Um, fourth paragraph. It is our view. Sorry, it's not probably the fourth one. Anyway, it is our view that they, the Chinese, are working hard to effectively put themselves in a position in which their military is capable of taking Taiwan over our intervention. Despite our intervention. Mm. Or because of our... In fact, because of our intervention would be more more accurate. Um, blah, blah, blah. Lessons China may be taking from the war in Ukraine. Um, China was learning some very interesting lessons from the Ukraine conflict, including the importance of leadership and small unit tactics, as well as effective training with the right weapons and a strong non-commissioned police force. Uh, so it's just, that's just more or less it, but that's on the back burner, but it's possible that it could happen at some point this year, and it'll be because the US pushes them to it in the same way they pushed Russia, because they were planning for a war against Russia, using Ukraine for the past eight years. Uh, you know, the US, in a similar way, is planning to bring the Taiwan situation to a head in order to put pressure, you know, to, to, in order to just overturn the apple cart, basically. They seem, they seem to be in the process of, of wanting to upset the whole chessboard, like not just upset it, but toss it up in the air, uh, as we've just been discussing, discussing in, many, in, in, in various different ways. And the end result is going to be, you know, significant amounts of suffering for large numbers of people on the planet, progressively, starting with uh, uh, third world countries or second world countries and Mm -hmm. spotly in different places, depending on the conditions on the ground in those particular countries. But someone somewhere, you know, and we we should drop a list basically of all of the policies that they're pursuing. You know what I mean? That clearly, unequivocally, have a very bad outcome or, or counterintuitive not just counterintuitive, but illogical, massively illogical, and ir- irrational. Uh, because we just talk about them, you know, here and there. But it's just, you know, and it's hard. To, it's hard to grasp because it, it and it it leads people. If you f- look at, look at the look at the details of it, you can't avoid that conclusion. Mm. If you're a rational person, you can't avoid it. But people s- stop there and backtrack because it leads them to inexorably to the conclusion that. There are people in positions of power, and you know, absolute power. Let's say almost on this planet, at least in the in the in the domain of human affairs, who are deliberately trying to wreck the world 
and wreck it for the average person on the street, the average member of the population. Um, and nobody wants to go there. Very few people are able to go there because yeah. it's a... Well, there's nothing you can do about it. And we've talked about this before, is that... Or I've, I've mentioned it before, um, that the reason conspiracy theories, the, the denigration of the idea of the term conspiracy theory gains so much traction amongst the, the average person in the population and why they take up... So many people take up the... The, the, the poo-pooing of conspiracies is because people intuit automatically, unconsciously that all conspiracy theories, the truth that all conspiracy theories have a common underlying theme or kind of a idea and it's that people in positions of power over the population are malintended towards them. They're out to get them in some way. They're, they're doing things that are deliberately trying to screw over the members of the population. And people know that because all conspiracy theories have that as a, mm -hmm. as a commonality between all conspiracy theories is that there's a powerful group of people who are not very nice people and don't like the average member of the population and they're out to get them. And people just don't want to go there. Who wants to live in a world like that? Because the main problem with it is that there's nothing you can do about it. The, very, the, the, the thesis of, of conspiracy theories carries within it or has within it the inability of the person considering it to do anything about it when it directly impacts them. So I'm telling you, Neil, here's a problem that is going to directly impact you, cause you to suffer, cause you to suffer psychologically, emotionally, because you have to believe that, understand that you're in a world uh, not a very nice place, run by not, 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 by not very nice people, and it's also going to make you suffer directly. And most importantly, there's nothing you can do about it. Do you want to talk about that for a while? No. No thanks. Why would I? In fact, not only do so, I don't want to talk about it, I want to reject the idea. Out of hand, I want to reject it out of hand. Because there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, so did you see the game last night? There you go. Let's talk about... Yeah. It was a great match. Eurovision. It was a great match. Yeah. How about them bears? <laughs> no. <clears throat> That's exactly it. But uh, I would say that... Uh, there, no, it, it's not just... That's not a... Comp completely fair there is an out there's a trade-off there is a benefit to going there maybe what it's, it's not that, you're <clears> correcting <throat> that you cannot do anything about it unless you want to raise an army you know mm. but you're not putin so um your knowing about it vastly improves your chances of navigating your way through it better just being aware of it but what if i don't feel like i'm any good on my own and that I need government. The government that you say is out to get me. Do we need to throw in our analogy of the children? No. Small children, <laughs> abusive parents, mm -hmm. no matter how much abuse, children still have to believe that parents are good because without parents, I'm no good on my own. I can't drive a car, I can't get a job, I'm dependent on them. So no matter how much they abuse me, I still have to believe that they're doing it for my good, that they love me. A lot of people are like that, it seems. That's, for me, that's the, the, the thing that makes sense, explains why so many people refuse to accept the evidence in front of their eyes and fly into denial, fly into the comfortable, pleasant narrative or lie rather than face the, the difficult truth um, because they can't handle it, because of the implications of the difficult truth. It puts them in a bind, puts them in a very difficult position, and they're being exploited because of that uh, fragility they have, that, mm -hmm. that, that re inability to deal with, the, let's say, the stress of, of you know, 
accepting that that's the way the world works and that you have to start taking responsibility for yourself. It's like telling a child, take responsibility for yourself. What do you mean take responsibility for myself? I'm three years old. My feet don't reach the pedals in the car. No one will take me for a job. I can't get a proper job and I can't reach the counter in the supermarket and I don't even know how to count money. Yeah. You know... Uh, metaphorically. It, metaphorically yeah. and in the macro scale, you know, in yeah. terms of living in a, you know, dealing with, doing all the things that I have become used to government doing for me or providing for myself all the things that I have been used to government providing for me, not least of which is, you know, security and, but also food and the availability of food, the, you know. Um, yeah, so it's difficult. Um, it's interesting how this all comes back to basics, food and famine. Yeah. Um, and heating, which is directly linked to food, I suppose. Heating, and, and they have one common denominator. Electricity, I mean. Oil, oil gas. gas. And it's... You can have food, but you can't have any frozen food or any cool, cooled food if you don't have any, uh, if you don't have regular energy production. Your, frigger, your refrigerator and your freezer isn't going to work. So you better start eating Heinz beans or something. <clears throat> Stock up in the Heinz beans. Um, but even they have a shelf life. Um... The college fix. One last thing. Roe versus Wade. Abortion. We talked about this last week and we didn't really want to talk about it because it's kind of like such a no-brainer and I don't understand why people are taking extreme... Well, I do kind of know why that's being forced on people to take an extreme position one way or the other. There's obviously answers to a, a simple solution to abortion, um, but nobody wants to talk about it. Um, it's either absolutely yes or absolutely no. Um, but uh, put up the college fix... Uh, I know it's not directly related, but it kind of is. Um, middle schoolers, this is in, where is this? Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. Uh, apparently middle schoolers, which is something like when you're, when you're in eighth grade or something. I don't know, you're six or something, five or six. I don't know. Uh, three male students at a Wisconsin middle school have been charged with Title X-based harassment for allegedly using incorrect pronouns with a classmate. So three kids didn't use their classmates' requested pronouns. We're talking about six or seven-year-old here. Requested pronouns of they and them and a section in the Title IX law which prohibits gender-based harassment in the form of name-calling on the basis of sex. Uh, <laughs> the mother of one of them said the use of the pronouns was confusing her son and so she told him to call the classmate by their actual name. Um, yeah, it's only a short article but it's an example of just how far down the... The chain, this mm. kind of nonsense is, is, has, has, has gone, you know, um, and how it's been taken up by people down th at that level in the chain, like in a middle school, some random middle school in Wisconsin, teach, teachers who are teaching seven, seven or eight-year-old kids um, have allowed criminal charges to be fi filed against three of the students for not using they or them for another classmate. Now, what the other thing is, what, why is there uh, one of their classmates who's seven or eight years old who is demanding that they be called they or them instead of he or she. Anyway, that's just a small sample of the kind of crap that's going on in the land of the free. Well, I suppose your analogy then would explain that because parents said this is all okay, like if the parents said you can jump into the fire, you can jump into the fire. If your parents said you can abuse your actual children, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can confuse them, abuse them make them suicidal, which most of them do end up mm. at some point. No moral compass. Um, 
Jordan Peterson warned about this in 2016. He raised the flag yeah. about this happening in Canada. He says I'm this pronoun thing is going to go. <clears throat> it's going to end up with this, and it has. So, yeah. Anyway, you got some good news. Um, yeah, go. good news. Uh, South Ossetia, formerly part of Georgia, is going to hold a referendum to join accede to the Russian Federation yep. in July. <laughs> uh, so one way or another, Russia is going to be bigger this year than it was last year, regardless of what happens in Ukraine. What's going to happen in Ukraine is that I think the policy or the plan plan for Ukraine is um, it's the same plan that's been all along. I mean, forget about the you know two days to take K- Kiev. And all that bullshit that the media put out and Russia's failing and all that kind of stuff. Russia, obviously, like was said repeatedly, and I'll say again, Russia had a plan from the very beginning that was you know, developed over quite a long time before the actual invasion. And it involved pretty much exactly what they're doing. Uh, it'll probably continue on uh, over the rest of this year. And I think they're probably betting on things going a bit pear-shaped in terms of particularly European countries and maybe even America, coming into this winter with, uh, you know, gas, oil shortages and domestic problems as a result of that to distract uh, attention of the attention of Western governments away from Ukraine and away from Russia and maybe make them, in a certain sense, maybe sue for some kind of peace to make them, wake them up a little bit and make them uh, reprioritize. So Russia's in no hurry to, you know, do what it, has planned to do in Ukraine, and it'll continue on for, I'd say, for the rest of this year. But like I said, with some, obviously, you know, punctuated by some kind of, you know, some provocation or some bullshit or some, you know, and obviously punctuated by repeated hysterical uh, reporting in the Western media, as has been, and maybe, maybe something big, but whether or not it'll expand this year beyond, that's a possibility as well. Poland... Looking at you, uh, <clears throat> Finland's going to join, Sweden's going to join NATO. Don't think that's going to make much difference. The Russians are like, that's a bad idea, don't do that. We'll just have to point our missiles at you. Finland's it's, like, eh, okay. We things happening, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's happening. It's Croatia's joined the Eurozone this week. Like, they're getting, everyone's getting deeper into their, yeah. their groove, you know? They're all getting together so they can all uh, suffer together. South Ossetia, I would say, it's also, it's also... The Russian world, Rusiski Mir, actually, I say there's popular will pressure from below in yeah. South Ossetia for the people. It's, they want in, don't we want in on this yeah, team. You know? It's kind of, poly- it's, 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 it's a natural process. It's symbolic though, the South Ossetia thing, I think it's 50,000 people. So it's not exactly significant on a practical okay. level, but more symbolic, you know, just a little, little sliver of land there, you know, uh, a bit like Transnistria. Um, okay, it's teeny. I didn't realize it was that small. Yeah, it looks bigger than that, but yeah, I guess it's mountainous. It's mountainous. Yeah. Well, the the Telegraph are having a field day. They think this this go slow thing in in Donbass mm. is quote strategic miscalculations have doomed Putin's Donbass offensive. Yeah, I, I'm just. I mean, they don't doomed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> really? I, suppose, I suppose that gains traction with a lot of people because they keep hearing the same thing over and over again that Russia's failing, Russia's doomed, Russia's made a mistake, Russia's it's all going wrong. Putin's got cancer. Putin's going to die. All of his generals yeah. are dead. All all the tanks have exploded. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, all the Russian soldiers have got syphilis. They've all um, deserted. They've all yeah. got COVID. Uh, they've all got AIDS. I don't know, whatever. And I'm just like, you know, okay, uh, people who. Or into the Western narrative, 
probably like that because it reconfirms yeah. them what they want yeah. to believe. But I don't really care. I'm interested in what's actually happening. And clearly what's actually happening is very different from what the Western media is reporting. Um, yeah. But it, it, it is going slow. Deliberately. No. Well, deliberately, yeah. yeah. But they're just taking their time. Yeah. You know? Um, well, there's no point in having like a, trying to have a blitzkrieg and at all. You know, Unless you're in a pile, hurry to do something else. Yeah, but you're, no, you're piling up and not going anywhere else. No. Yeah. And of course, the, the West is you know, taking advantage of that and, and trying to prolong it as well. But like I said, this winter, the West is going to have some serious problems of its own at home right. that are going to, I, I would expect or would hope that at least will make them reprioritize a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and that's not even including the idea of uh, the, the conflict expanding outside the, the borders of Ukraine. Uh, westwards uh, into Europe, which would be, you know, the the hysteria would be just awesome. The hysteria in Western media would be fantastic. I look forward to that, actually, to, to reading the press on that day. I just, you know, sit back and, you know, eat some gummy bears or something <laughs> and, <laughs> and just browse and just laugh, you know what I mean? It'll be hysterical, you know? Yeah. Uh, and watch the ruble just continue to climb. Yeah, yeah. Watch everything that they say is happening not happen. Yeah. Uh, in 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 dramatic form, you know. Yeah. So, is that all you've got? Today is Nakba Day in uh, Palestine. That's yeah the day they commemorate the uh, the first big push, I suppose, by ethnic cleansing. Yeah, by the colonial settlers in the Middle East who arrived to populate a land without a people for a people without a land. Mm -hmm. Supposedly. Greatest myth of the 20th century, or one of anyway. Um, And they, for their part, the Israelis seem to commemorate by shooting an Al Jazeera journalist in the face. And then attacking her funeral. Was it caught on camera? I think so, I think she was giving a report. She's like, she's got the blue press flak jacket on, she's got a blue press helmet on, and then they shoot her in the face. Mm. And then attack a funeral. And then they attack a funeral. Like, who's doing PR here? Is that again? Is that deliberate? Is that willful? Do they not give a damn how that looks? No, Israel doesn't care. Israel's Israel's protected up the wazoo uh, by clearly by, well, by everybody. Like, still, it has, well, it has been for a long time. They attack Syria daily. You know, we it's almost the background now. We yeah. don't even mention it yeah. anymore, but it's a daily process. Yeah. Which is interesting that you, we can have that kind of thing going on as that, that Israel has been doing against the Palestinians and and in Syria for for many many years, and it's been normalised and it continues on just like a continuous war. Yemen ignored, uh, you know, uh, ongoing conflict in Yemen or has been, and um, the Western media and Western populations don't care, but because of uh, it's Russia and Ukraine, um, hysteria. And everybody has to think differently about that. I mean, just the, the contradiction, you know, the contrast between the two and the contradiction. And, and, and how, You're talking about people um, living with two uh, contradictory mm-hmm. ideas in their head. P- apparently people in the West can, can do that very well. Uh, they live... Um, just fine. Yeah, but it's, uh, they can only do it because they're lied about one. And lied about the other as well. <laughs> lied about both. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's not actually living with two contradictory, contradictory ideas. It's like yeah. being aware of both of them and and, and, and understanding uh, that both can be possibly possibly true or possibly right. Um, but in this case, that that's not the case here. You know what I mean? I mean, because they're not getting accurate information about the two uh, ideas. The contradiction is manufactured for them. You know, 
Um, I remember years ago you were warning me that you know Neil there won't the be just flipped actually. Go ahead. There won't be a day where you, you'll get to go. Oh look, this has developed. It's in the news everywhere. It's exposed everything, and now everyone can see. Yeah. Because. What's happened since then is that so many things have been exposed. Like, in unbelievable ways. Like, it's literally striptease. Just the, the whole Syria thing where it exposed Al-Qaeda and mm -hmm. the CIA, mm -hmm. just and MI6 and Mossad. Mm -hmm. Like, that undid 20 years. But people just adapted. The, un the un bottomless ability of people to lie to themselves mm -hmm. and to just take on new lies to sort of oh, here's a contradiction, here's a contradiction resolved, and they just go, nah, I don't see that, I'm just going to lie around it again right. and carry on. And then on they go to the next thing, and here we are in Ukraine. And mm -hmm. it's, it's endless, endless ability. And, and reality, the universe, God, whatever, it's, allows, apparently, it has but, no problem with it. But again, it's, to it's, some point. it's authorities and governments and the, the, the media. It's not about things being exposed, but about the meaning what that means, what the what mm. what the exposure of of some of a of a big kind of I think something that people believe to be true and now they've it's been revealed that it's not true. It's that's not enough. People well, it would be enough if people were left just with that information, but they're given a whole narrative, a meaning, what this means by the media and by government, and that just you know messes with their heads, messes with their ability to call a spade a spade, and they end up calling a spade a a banana, you know, and. Um, because the media tells them that's what it is. So it's the meaning that's ascribed to it. Dynamic um, narratives. Exactly. Shifting it all the time, yeah. Switching it up. Anyway, we pretty much did a tour of the world there, except we didn't, well, we did, we touched on everywhere except New for... New Zealand, Canada. Did we do Canada? Yeah. We got close to Canada. Close Buffalo is right there on the border. Yeah. China. Finland. Europe. Didn't do South America. There's nothing going on down there. <laughs> South it's America. winter down there. Winter is coming. Ovnis. They UFOs. have lots of ovnis, don't lots they? Lots of UFOs. Maybe yeah. they've all been abducted. Uh, anyways, yeah. No, there's a f obviously... Something's going to happen to South America. We're, yeah. And we'll be discussing it. Yes, one of these days. When it, uh, when it, when it sticks its head above the parapet. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. We'll leave it there for this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for commenting, listening, and chatting, and thanks for your questions, comments, etc. Um, don't forget to smash all the buttons because smashing buttons is awesome. And we'll be back next week with another show. And until then, have a good day, morning, evening, night, afternoon, whatever it is with you. See ya. See ya. Can't stop the signal now.